0: Good morning. So glad you joined us this morning. Uh, the obvious, I'm not Heath. Uh, Heath is out of town with his family, uh, his in-laws, so pray for his in-laws. Uh, Dan went with them, so they need prayer. And um, it'll be good. They're in the mountains or something. I don't know where they're at. But anyway, hes uh, you're stuck with me this morning. But I want to address Wednesday night first. If you were there Wednesday, we had our church uh, fellowship meal. I heard all week. I hope you like meat and desserts, because that's all I talked about, Um, and I do, but y'all brought, you did bring more desserts than sides, I want to say amen to that first, first of all, that's an amen, secondly, there were enough sides that everybody got to eat something besides meat and desserts, right, so I just wanted to mention that, the amount of desserts that were brought made me proud to be a staff member here, Um, it was just, I'm just saying, it's just all of those things, and I don't know if it was Heath or somebody this week asked me, how do you think those people? Like, what do you do for them? I can't buy you all a gift card or anything. Hey, I'm going to preach 20 minutes and we're out. That's what I'm going to do. Uh, so I'm going to give you about 20, and then we're gone. So uh, you're welcome. Uh, and if you didn't bring dessert, uh, it's Thanksgiving week. Uh, just be thankful that a lot of people did. Um, <laughs> And you can just piggyback off their generosity today. But I would say thank you so much Uh, for Wednesday night. It was great. Uh, Just a a time of fellowship. It was really good. Today is a huge day for our church because we're going to do Christmas house, kid adoption. Uh, If you don't know about that, Morgan's going to clear all that up uh, after the service. Any question you may have, she's going to answer it. Um, And then after this service, you'll be able to adopt those kids. And I'm not going to tell a number, but I know it's over 200. And I count here every week. And we don't have 200 adults most of the time. So it's really cool for us as a church of the impact we can make. And, and so it's a, it's a daunting task. Uh, Morgan will shake her head to that, please. But um, it, it, it's really cool what God will do. So I'm, I'm looking forward to that. So if you have your Bible, you can turn to Acts 9. I'm going to be brief, um, but I, I think it'll be worth it. Uh, so we'll jump in. Uh, everything you hear today is going to be obvious, just like Patrick prayed, it's very simple. Uh, but my goal is sometime during this service, you'll just think about it. Uh, you'll look at your own life and just think about it for just a second. And if you'll do that today, I'm happy. So in Acts 9, we're going to jump in. I'm going to pray again before we do, uh, and then we'll run through it. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for today. God, think of you your word. It can change us. Uh, we can see it change other people. Uh, and God, just please, please let us learn from your word today, not me. In your name I pray. Amen. Uh, so we're going to look at Acts 9 uh, we'll jump in. If you don't know anything about the Bible, you've heard of Saul, and he turns into Paul, so at least you know that. If you, He's a rotten dude. I, I can say all the things about that. But what we do know is what we're fixing to read is Saul is leading kind of a religious movement. He's against Jesus. Jesus is kind of the way, the way, the truth, the life, so you're going to know. They're going to know him by the way. They're followers of the way, and so that's what the, the Paul's kind of against, right? As those numbers of followers of Jesus go up, Paul gets mad because it's kind of a slap in the face of his kind of Jewish religion, so Paul's going to shut that down, right? He's That's his job, uh, and so what we're fitting to read is he's on the way to the city council to get a letter that says, hey, if I find a follower, if I find anybody that has to do with that, I'm going to shut it down, whether I take them in prison or if I kill them, whatever I'm doing, we're going to stop that, right? So that's what we're going to start reading in Acts 1, if you'll go there, I'm going to read it, and I'll stop about 5 or 6, somewhere in there. It says, But Paul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogue at Damascus so that he found any belonging to the way. That's what we just talked about. Men or women, we might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Verse 3 says, Now he went on his way and approached Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven shone around him. Falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Verse 5, check his response. Paul says, Who are you, Lord who are you? And he responds, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting, but rise and enter the city and you'll be told what to do. So this dude, Saul, is on his way to the city council to get some paperwork. He comes face to face with Jesus, knocks him off his donkey, whatever. He's blinded. He's, he's, he's His world is flipped upside down. So this dude named Paul is going to be changed through the apostle Paul. The quote is, he's breathing threats and murder to the early church. And he's going to go on to become the greatest missionary probably of our Christian faith. He's going to start planting churches from Asia to Europe. The man's on fire. There's a story in there about him dropping a handkerchief. The lady just picks it up and is healed. That's how holy this dude seems to be. He's running with Jesus that close. He's going to do everything for the sake of the gospel. He actually goes on to write most of the New Testament. This brother's on another level. You get me? So the question becomes, what happened? What happened to cause such a change, just such a shift? Flip your Bible to Philippians, just a couple of books the other way to the right, toward the end. I'll let you find it. You can go to the table of contents if you need to. Colossians are too far. But Philippians chapter 3, I'm going to read it. This is the Apostle Paul. His name has been changed. He's a different person. This is a handwritten letter to a a church. This is kind of like a journal to a church that he's planted. And I'm going to skip the resume part, but it's pretty impressive. He says a lot of impressive stuff on the front end, and then he's going to say this. Resume at the front, super strong, and then he's going to say this. Look in verse 7. It's probably right there on the screen. But after he's listed everything he's done great, verse 7 says, But whatever gain I had, I count as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, count everything as a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things, and I count them as rubbish. Some Bibles say garbage. Some Bibles say dung. That's bad. In order that, that, that I may gain Christ, verse 9, be found in him, not having a a righteousness of my own, but that comes from the law, but that which comes through the faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. I'm just going to read 7 and 8 because that's what we're going to talk about. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ. Knowing Jesus Christ. Knowing Jesus Christ. For I have suffered, la, 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 the rest of it. Here's the take home. You can go to sleep if you want to. After this, what makes a man that'll do whatever he can to shut down the movement of Jesus? Not only shut it down, I don't just want to kill him. If you're following him, I'll just go ahead and kill you too. That's my gig. Like, that's what I do. That's my passion. What takes a guy from doing that to I'll lose everything for him. And then I'll compare everything in my life once I see how beautiful and how great Jesus is, everything is compared, like, is like garbage, like rubbish, like dung. That's how beautiful and valuable Jesus is. What changed it? The, the answer is if we take Saul in, in 9, what changes it to Philippians 3 to Paul is one word it's knowing. He knows him. Right? In verse 9, Saul comes face to face with Jesus and he goes, hey, who are you? Who are you? There's no knowledge there. I don't understand. I don't recognize your voice. Who are you? But if we jump to Philippians 3, I count everything in my life as lost compared to knowing that guy. And everything, everything's a loss. Here's what I want you to learn this morning. There's a massive difference between knowing about somebody and actually knowing them. I'm going to give you an example right now. You're going to leave. You're going to judge me. You're not going to look at me the same. You probably won't look at me now when I leave because it's weird. But it's the most best example I could find in my own life. In the third grade, I had a teacher named Miss Roach, right? Um, Her name's not important. But I added it because I felt like it was tougher. Like now I'm tougher because I had a Miss Roach. Y'all picture her? She's tough, ain't she? Okay, so that just I added that for effect because Miss it's not important. But anyway, so Miss Roach gave us a book report, and I didn't do the research. I could I don't have kids. I don't know what third graders know. So whatever a book report looks like in the third grade, like I don't I don't know. But whatever it was, she gave us that. I don't know if it was a coloring sheet or whatever. But the point is, I drew number 16 in the class. Abraham Lincoln. That was me. And I went home, y'all, and this is going to date me a little bit. Y'all can explain to your kids when you leave what this is. I opened the Encyclopedia Britannica's (laughs) all over that floor, right? We didn't even have a computer, I don't think we had a computer. And uh, so we didn't even have a computer, and so... I just started in research and for whatever reason, like the civil war fascinated me, but I stuck with Abraham Lincoln. Like I, he stuck with me. And at one point I don't need a test after cause I forgot most of it cause I don't need it anymore. But for whatever reason, I knew almost everything about that dude. I knew where he was lived, where he died, where he was born, how how old he was when he died. I knew the things he ran for. If you don't know this, he ran for a ton of things and failed before he ever ran for president. I knew all of those. I knew his wife's name. I knew his kids' names. I, as I got older, I even got into his politics a little bit. He gave me a ton of Civil War stats. Um, I used to hate books in school. I had to make myself read. But if you give me an Abraham Lincoln book, I would read it in a second. So every book... I read was Abraham Lincoln. My middle school, they would give us book reports. I never had to read. I just wrote a book report about Abraham Lincoln, which I think is cheating. But I still did that. That's just honesty. Um, I went to New York and Washington, D.C. Shout out, Jessica. She went too, I think. Bethany, did you go? Yep. And so there's some of us that went to Washington, New York. And while they were buying I Love New York shirts, I didn't buy anything. I didn't buy nothing. So we got to Lincoln Memorial. And then my mom had to shut the credit card down. She was like, what is happening with this? Because I was buying everything, everything that they sell at the Lincoln Memorial. Exactly. What is that? I don't know. I don't remember, but I have it at home. It's just memorabilia. Even just a couple years ago, me and Monica drove up to Kentucky everywhere he lived and his parents lived, his uncles lived, everybody in Kentucky's skinned to Abraham Lincoln. So we went to his aunt's house. Like it was a whole thing. I mean, he's just Fascinating. Like, I, I, sir, my concern is not whether God is on our side, but our greatest concern is we're on God's side, for God is always right. That was my senior quote from Mr. Lincoln. It beat out second, just a second, really close second, was if you're going to take somebody, if you're going to make fun of somebody, walk a out in their shoes, you'll be a mile away and you'll have their shoes. Not by Mr. Lincoln. That was not by... But that one comes second. So I'm glad I picked the first one for this illustration. I've got two pictures from my house. Uh, I just quickly took them. If you can see, it's kind of weird. I've got pictures everywhere. Uh, there's another picture uh, for some reason. Uh, and I did clear this up in the first server. but that is a smoke detector. It has nothing to do with Abraham Lincoln. I just got to put batteries in that. Uh, but the rest of it is Abraham Lincoln stuff, right? All of it. Why do I show you all of that? It almost makes me look stalkerish of the 16th president. Just stay with me for a second. Let's take a leap for just a second. Make it weird. Let's imagine it was yesterday, November 19th, 1863. I know Gettysburg was wrote that day, or it was presented that day. So just yesterday, but it's 1863. And my boy gets up there, and he does this thing. Four score and seven years ago, he nails it. I know it goes well. And afterwards, I rush the stage and I get up there, and I'm like, man, you did great. Mr. Lincoln, Mr. Lincoln, let's talk, let's talk, let's talk. And what if he comes down to the front of that stage, and I'm like, here, sign my yearbook, you made my quote. Okay, no, that was a bad joke. What if he comes down there, and I'm like, hey, man, right before his security team gets to me, which I debate he's got a security team in the way it ended, but I'm your biggest fan, man. Like, I know everything about you. I know your family's names. I know where you were born. I've even got weird quotes of you in the yearbook. I've got weird pictures of you all over my walls. I've got your head oddly cast in different types of metals <laughs> sitting around my house. But right? that's where we're at. What's this response? Yeah, he's going to reach down and he's going, man, that is cool. But like, that's really neat that you have all that stuff. Kind of creepy, but it's neat. It's neat, you know, all the stats. But here's the deal. I'm flattered. I really am. I don't know you. Like, we're not friends. We don't hang out. We don't even talk. Like, I, I don't know you. And the reason I give that weird example, it's the best one I can come up with. I know it's terrible. There's a huge difference between knowing about somebody and knowing them. I think one of the scariest verses in the Bible is probably around Matthew chapter 7. And it talks about men and women are going to stand before Christ right in his face and say, hey, I did some things. If y'all just want to read it, I'm not. He lists some pretty, they list some pretty solid things. Casting out demons, prophesied, I healed people. And Jesus does one of the scariest things I've ever heard in my lifetime. He goes, hey, I appreciate all that. I appreciate, you know, in the stats. I appreciate, you knowing my family, the whole stable thing. That's neat. But here's the deal. I don't know you. Like, we don't hang out. And we don't talk. Like, I don't know you. In church family, I will tell you, there's a massive difference between knowing about somebody and knowing somebody personally and deeply and intimately. The prayer is we leave here today actually knowing Jesus deeply. Don't just memorize facts about him. Don't do religious activities that feel like somehow we're trying to earn his love. That's not it. He wants to walk with you deeply and have a relationship with you. He wants to talk to you and believe that. He wants to speak to you. But I think for many of us, if we're honest, the view of Christianity we have is very little to do with, we may call it a relationship with Jesus, but it, what it really is, is us like a big list of do's and don'ts and the people we can't hang out with, the people we want to hang out with, but we can't do that because we're Christian. And I can't go to those places because I'm Christian. And then some of us would even say I'm in here this morning because I feel kind of bad for the things I've all week, so I'm trying to cancel that out. But here I would just say, like maybe we're trying to check a list off. I, I don't know. But but what I know to be true, th- that once we hit what Jesus actually done for us, we know his grace and his mercy and his love, and we start to treasure what that really means. That list goes away quickly. It's not that I don't want to do those things. I don't want to hang out with I don't want that. I just want you. you you're the mercy and love you have, you're my treasure. I don't want there to be a lot of things between me and him. I'm not saying you can't do nothing in your life, but I don't want my priorities to be so janked that there's a ton of stuff that I've got to do before I ever talk to him, right? I can get away, I can do away with those things. I just got to reprioritize them. And I would even say somebody in the room maybe needs to hear this, because of the world we live in. Loving, God's love is not a polarizing idea. Or just like a theory. I can testify it's 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 realer than the the the, the seat you're sitting in. Because if you'll think to a really rough time in your life, if you know him, I've been through some things that hurt. They hurt, but they don't have to shake me to my core. Why? Because I know him. I know his love is real to get me through some things, right? I can know it's real. Now let's stop for a second. I didn't know how to say this. I didn't know if I should. He's not here. Let's do it. (laughs) But when I hear this, y'all, when I was studying this in my own life, when I start hearing about God's love and how great it can be and he's going to be close and he can be intimate, what I start realizing is I'm not there. Like sometimes when I start thinking about this, like I just start thinking about all the things I don't do right. I start thinking about all the dumb decisions I make. I'm not even going to mention that to Monica because the first service she said, amen, (laughs) really quickly. Um, But the thing, like, what happens when I start thinking about God's love and how great it can be? Doubt and insecurity starts to creep in. That's not this. I'm not trying to create doubt. That's not the talk this morning. That's not the goal. I'm okay if you want to wrestle if you know Him or not. That's fine. Not here to create doubt. Right? And I think we can be sure that we know Him. I think a lot of us are sure that we know Him. But there's just a distance there. Like I think most of us in the room would say we know who Jesus is. We have a relationship. There's been a point in the time where I made him my Lord and Savior, but I just forgot the Lord part. I don't let him in much. He's not over everything in my life. That's the Lord part. So you know him. There's just a ton of distance. There's a bunch of stuff in between. And I would just say today, repent of that. Talk to him about that. So it's a valid question if you know him or not, if you if you just know about him. Y'all, I grew up in church, a church just down the road, a great church. I knew all the Sunday school facts. I knew them. Praise God, right? I would say, praise God, I had parents that took me to that church so I could learn those things. Because if I would decide, I wouldn't have went. If you got kids, you can let that preach or whatever. But if they decide, they're probably not going to be here. But what I did learn was in the Old Testament, it seemed like a bunch of crazy stories, but what I realized was and what I learned, it was really just one giant promise. It was a promise that God seen me where I was, he wasn't gonna leave me there, and he wouldn't leave me broken. And he loves me enough to do something about it. And one day, what is he gonna do? He's gonna send a hero here to fix it, and you turn from Malachi to Matthew, that hero shows up, but it's not what anybody expected. Why? Because it was God Himself. He wrapped Himself in skin here and walked thirty-three perfect years to show me what it looked like to be human. And then what? The big one. He laid His He's laid His life down on a cross and died. And then three days later, He raised from the grave so He can show me He conquers death too. I want to know that guy. I want to know that guy. And I can go from being almost an enemy of God to being in His family. That's a big deal. And one Sunday night, I remember struggling with that for a long time. And I finally asked Jesus into my heart and minute. It'll flip your world upside down. I wasn't a murderer. So it wasn't like I had to go to the prisons and all this and start apologizing. I wasn't a bad kid, but one sin's enough for a holy, holy God. He don't want nothing to do with it. So I knew Jesus saved me that night, never got over it. Why? Because I want to know him truly and deeply and intimately. He wants to change your life. He wants to guide every decision that you make. He wants to lead you. A lot of times he just wants you to know how much you, he loves you. Right? And thats t- I need that a lot. And I'll add this, and this is weird too, and we're almost done. Somebody in the room needs to hear this. God's supposed to love you, right? He loves us all. He likes you, too. He likes you. And if you'll take that to heart, it'll change you. If you'll be to walk into that, do a little research on that, it'll change the way you live. Right? Patrick and the team are coming. I told you it's going to be 20. Boom. I don't even know if it was 20. Nobody here is going to complain if it wouldn't, though, right? Okay. But But here it is. Wherever you are with Jesus this morning, I want you to know how much he loves you, and he wants to know you. And in this little church in Harvest, the creator of the world wants to know you. That's big time, isn't it? So he's just going to lead us in worship, but right before he does. I think everybody in here fits probably in three categories. The first one is you just would say honestly, I know about him. I just don't know him. I I know the stats. I've heard about him. I don't really walk with him. I don't know him intimately and deeply. I know about him. I just don't know him. You're the most important person in the room just because God can change all of that this morning. He wants you to leave with a relationship. It's not going to make your world perfect on the outside, I promise you. Probably going to make it tougher. But the point is, it's totally worth it. For him to love you and him to know you. He can change you. He wants to speak to you. He wants to walk with you. He wants to guide your steps. So if today, if that's you, just for a second, no games, no pretending, I want to know him, I'll be here. We can talk about that. But what I promise you, he's not going to do. He wants to know us. And what I'm saying by that is he's not going to force you down this aisle. He's not going to force you to make a decision right where you're at. He loves you enough to let you decide what that looks like. So I would challenge you, if you want to talk to me, we've actually got counselors in here, they're hidden. But if you start walking to that door, they're going to follow you back there. They're not really hidden, that sounded creepy. But they're going to follow you back there. They would love to introduce you to Jesus this morning. Or we can talk after, I'll stay late. Whatever you need to do. That's that's it. Second category, really quickly probably the biggest maybe not hopefully not is you know jesus is your savior and i'm not trying to create doubt there so you know him just distant isn't it just feels like he's a long way away because why because i'm worried about playing games i'm worried about being too religious instead of just knowing him and being honest with him that's what we've been talking about for a month in the youth group just being honest with him because if you won't pray honestly you won't listen honestly You won't change much either. I tried to figure out the quickest way to figure out where I'm at. Quickest thing I come up with is time. How much time do I spend? You'll spend time on what you love. So if you stack everything in there and then he's just a quick thing at the end. And I'm just going to be frank with you. I'm really not talking about being here this morning. I'm really talking about everything that happens out there. What does that time look like? So what I'll tell you is if you're willing to take one step in his direction, he'll run the rest of the way. So if you know him, you just got to kind of maybe reprioritize. You want to know him deeper and love him deeper. Pray when he starts singing, pray for that. He'll be there. He'll listen to every bit of that. Third category, hope it's everybody in the room. I know him deeply. I love him. I love everything about him and I'm digging and I'm hungry. It's the week of Thanksgiving. Just be thankful for that. Hey, Kenny, I don't have anything crazy going on in my life. Be thankful for that. It's right around the corner. Just be thankful for that. Pray for the people around you that hopefully we can all be right there. We all love him and know him just like we should, but I'm not crazy enough to think that's the truth. So they're going to sing. I'm going to shut up. You can pray right where you're at if you need to. I'm here if you want to talk. You can deal with God right where you're at. Right. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for your word. What we can learn from it, the stories in it, God, applied to us today. So, God, I pray everybody in the room today knows you before they leave and hit that door. And, God, they don't have to talk to me. They really need to talk to you. So, God, we love you for that. We love you that you're going to listen. And you don't care what we've got in our past, in our future, and our present, God. You love us. And we need you. So, God, be with us. God, let us worship today because you're worthy. In your name I pray, amen.